Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby. Welcome back to it. It is the Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the program. It is Tuesday. Woo, man. Woo. Another good day to be alive. Good day to be alive and on this side of the grass, as they say. Uh, we're ready to dive into it uh, today. We've got a lot of uh, good guests lined up and ready to go. We've got uh, Brad Keithley, who's going to be joining us here in hour one for the uh, <clears throat> excuse me for the weekly top three the weekly top three uh, we're going to go over those items today uh, we're going to talk about uh, in part we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with the timing and the impact of the spring revenue forecast we're going to talk about uh, the oil and gas prices what the what the Ukrainian war means for Alaska oil investment and for maybe the permanent fund as well. I don't know if you saw the article that showed that the permanent fund has invested something like 120 or $150 million in Russia, and they have no intention of uh, disgorging uh, those investments right now. What does that mean for us? Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. And then uh, we're going to dive into it uh, about the uh, frustration that Brad Keithley and others, myself included, are starting to feel over the uh, ledge finance and their lack of, <clears throat> I guess I would say, transparency. I mean, question mark. Does that work? Um, their lack of, um, well, the omission. I guess it's it's is it is it is it lying or is it is it if it's outright lying or is it just lying by omission? And to me. Oh, they're all the same at this point. It's if you're going to deceive, you might as well deceive. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about that here with Brad Keithley in just a few moments, and uh, we'll get started on that here as well. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we're going to hit some headlines in hour one, and then in hour two, we'll take some phone calls, which will be the post Keithley phone call session. And then we will dive into it with our friend and guest. Chris story. Now, no word today because we talked about having uh, Chris on for doing both the uplift and the PMA, uh, which he does so nicely every week. We appreciate that. But also having him on for an hour to talk about kind of worldly th or a, a segment to talk about uh, kind of worldly things. So maybe this morning we'll get Chris Story's take on, well, I guess the war in Ukraine, since that seems to be sucking up all the oxygen in the room right now. And it is pretty astonishing to watch what's happening. My hat is off to the people of Ukraine who are fighting right now tooth and nail. I would only hope that if we ever had to face something like that on our soil here, that our folks would step up to the plate and fight as hard as the Ukrainians have been fighting. And uh, 
holding back the Russian juggernaut. I mean, for years, uh, Europe, especially Western Europe, has been very leery of the of the Red Scare. You know, the big thing, um, the 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 big uh, pushback from Moscow. And this morning, they, as it looks right now on the ground, after five or six days of fighting, um, they are not. Uh, they are not. Uh, they're not. They're not living up to the hype. I think is what a lot of the military experts have been saying. I saw several talking heads yesterday that were saying this is not kind of what we expected uh, from Russia. Supply chain issues, uh, logistical issues, uh, reports of uh, of uh, young starving conscripts on the streets when they take a town they raid the local grocery stores they haven't eaten they can't get fuel they can't get ammo um not what we had expected in a lot of uh, uh you know what well, we being what a lot of the military experts expected from what i'm seeing so far so kind of an interesting thing to watch but my hat is off to the folks in ukraine who are living this and um it uh it's you know go for it let freedom ring that's all I could say. So um, <clears throat> it's it's kind of a it's kind of a crazy time, um, and uh, you know to watch how this is all playing out. I'm just I am just inspired by the Ukrainian people overall. Their their gumption and their will to fight is invigorating to me, and uh, and my heart and my thoughts and my prayers go out to them. And I hope that they I hope that they smash Putin all the way back to Moscow. How about that? I'll just lay that out there, just like that. He deserves to be uh, he deserves to be smacked down. He is a uh, uh, you know <laughs> anyway not a, not a good person, not a good person. Um, so anyway, that's uh, kind of what uh, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Brian just said Wolverines in the chat room. That's what I just feel like. I feel like Wolverines. They should just be shouting it from the rooftops and taken out. I don't know if you were I I spent about a half an hour yesterday during my lunchtime uh going through some of the video archives of some of the stuff that was good. It was so fun to watch. I mean not fun in the terms of but it was so inspiring to watch a, a you know you had a group of Russian um uh it was an armored it was an armored uh, patrol uh three three uh, BMPs and dismounted troops trying to make their way into Kharkiv and uh they got to a point where all of a sudden they started taking fire and they started to back up and started to do a, a, a kind of a concerted retreat and get behind the vehicles. And that was when they realized that they were surrounded by militia members who then proceeded to cut the column to pieces with RPGs. Um, and all I could think of was, that's what you get. Step into my step into my backyard, that's what you get. And, uh, oh, man, so inspiring to see that. So good to good to see things happening, and I love to uh, I love to watch it, and uh, uh, love to love to watch people fighting for what they love. I mean, I don't love it like you know what I mean. I'm inspired. That's I guess that's what I just keep going back to that word, but that's what it is. I'm inspired to see it. So good for them. Um, I mean, it's a stall for time at this point. The question is, how much is uh, Putin and company willing to trade? Uh, you know, time for for uh, time for space and everything else, and now you've got Germany who has committed to giving them a bunch of javelins, uh, anti tank missiles, and a bunch of Stinger air to air missiles. Uh, Russia hasn't even been able to gain air superiority over Ukraine, uh, and I guess we have the first. Do we have the first uh, ace of uh, two thousand of of the twenty first century? 
the first ace of the 21st century, the the one Ukrainian pilot who apparently has shot down six Russian MiGs already, or I guess not MiGs or whatever, SU-27s, whatever they're flying these days over there. Uh, but he shot down six of them so far. Apparently, Russia's lost 14 aircraft and 11 helicopters and over 500 armored personnel carriers and 100 tanks uh, is the numbers that came out of the Ukrainian thing. This is, uh, I mean, this is, it's, this is the thing. This is a tough deal, you know? Uh, and the question is, how much, how much of that blood is uh, Putin willing to spill to get what he wants? Um, and that's the question. Well, we will, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the Russians and the Ukrainians have taken down all the road signs and put up signs that basically told them to all go to hell or something of that nature, something not, not, not as nice. Um, uh, on all the road signs uh, around uh, around the Ukraine, so um, it's all it's all the little things that are going on out there. All right, uh, what else is that's? I mean, that's been kind of consuming me for the last day or so as I've been watching this because I'm seeing this stuff go on more and more and more. But there are some other stories going on around the uh, state of Alaska, including uh, as I mentioned, the um, the Alaska Permanent Fund dividend. As other investors are leaving Russia in the dust, uh, the P the Permanent Fund Corp has no plans to sell its two hundred and ten million dollars in assets um, that it has invested uh, in Russia. Uh, about fifty million of that money is invested. Excuse me, not one hundred and sixty-three. Based on the fund's reported value on Friday, the amounts uh, that are invested in uh, and out of Russia amount to about one hundred and sixty-three million with about three-quarters of that figure invested in Russian stocks. They also have about $50 uh, million of that money in, in, uh, from, others, uh, from other sources that are then invested in Russia. But they plan on holding them. We do not plan to take any action at this time, but we'll be monitoring the situation closely, said the chief investment officer, Zachary Hanna. Uh, the permanent fund's biggest rock, Russian stock holdings are in the state-owned gas company Gazprom, um, the uh, which is the only thing that's still flowing out of Russia right now. The biggest question, of course, has been: Will Putin shut off the gas to Western Europe? Because that's how things are going on. Uh, um, <laughs> that's how that's that's how things are going right now. All of Western Europe is dependent on Russian gas and has become dependent on Rus- uh, Russian gas. And the question is: What would they do if they don't get it? Oof. Uh, meanwhile, other uh, uh, wealth funds and permanent funds around the world, including Norway's $1.35 trillion sovereign wealth fund, said on Monday that they're going to freeze the funds and Russians' investments and sell them as soon as possible. They held about $3 billion in Russian investments. Um, and so uh, we're going to see we're going to see what that uh, that's going on. Although, you know, about the time that he starts talking about, you know, loosing the nuclear arsenal or loosening the saber of the nuclear arsenal, bringing them to full readiness, you might want to be thinking about uh, pulling out of uh, companies and countries that do that kind of stuff. I mean, just just saying. <laughs> just just saying. Um, what else is going on? Um, oh, uh, this is the other thing. The, uh, the I, I didn't mention this yesterday. But the uh, Alaska House of Representatives have passed that uh, disapproval on the proposed tax on fuel exports. It's a resolution basically uh, uh, condemning 
what was going on uh, down in Washington State where they wanted to Im- uh, create that six cents per gallon import tax. Meanwhile, Jake Fai, the Democrat of Tacoma, has recently backtracked on that tax after hearing opposition from neighboring states and, of course, the proposed tax that uh, Kevin McCabe had put forward, including the six cents per pound fish tax and the $15 per barrel export tax on fuel that would be uh, then refined in uh, in uh, uh, Washington state. Uh, so that has all come apart. Uh, the resolution, though, to decry what was going on passed 33 to 2 in the House uh, uh, yesterday with uh, David Eastman and Chris Kirk of both voting no. Uh, they said that it was only because they believed retaliatory taxes would be unconstitutional. Um, although that didn't stop the Washington state from doing it to us, I guess, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, but my favorite quote came out of this is that, uh, Kevin McCabe had suggested that the Washington's proposed fuel tax would be effectively taxation without representation on Alaska. And he spoke in favor of Monday's resolution when talking about the potential for retaliatory taxes on Washington residents he basically said this. Welcome to the party, pal. It's my new favorite quote. Welcome to the party, pal. I'm just, I can't, I can't even not use that. Welcome to the party, pal. Every day now from now on. I mean, that's going into the Hall of Fame gold right there as he quoted John McClain from uh, Die Hard when he said, you know, hey, it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. Welcome to the party, pal. That's how it works right there. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kevin McCabe. For creating soundboard gold for everything that's going on this morning. But yeah, hey, you think it's you all of a sudden you're like, you can't do that. That's unconstitutional. Well, that's what you were doing. Yeah, but for us, it's the you can't do that. You're welcome to the party, pal. Okay, all right, I got it. Thank you. Sorry. Uh just fantastic stuff. I can't I can't tell you how excited I am about that. All right, uh coming up, we got uh Brad Keithley. From Alaska, uh, from Sustainable Budgets, uh, he's going to come in do the weekly top three. We're going to talk with him uh, in just a few moments about that via Skype, and uh, we'll continue uh, with all of our discussions this morning. It is your own for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, the Michael Duke Show. Mac with more and Brad Keithley right after these messages. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Yeah, baby. Um, public testimony this morning on Senate Finance and SB 224 at 9 a.m. It's an attempt to take up to take up the loophole the courts created in the SBR sweep. Okay. All right. Thank you, Rob. We'll throw that out there. The ghost of Kiev is fake. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, Anthony, where, uh, which part of Reddit are you on to get those uh, some of the Ukrainian nuggets? Because I want to catch some of that stuff throughout the day today. Um, 
and I don't uh, I don't climb onto Reddit very much, but I would love to hear what you have to what you know if you've got some links you can share with me on that as well, either in the chat room or via message. Just let me know. Okay, uh, let's get uh, let's get this party started, shall we? Here, let's get Brad Keithley on the horn. First things first. Um, here are some. Oh, they updated something. Okay, I got to make sure that I got everything. Okay, we're gonna get started. Let's see if we can get Brad Keithley up and on the line this morning. And uh, oh, baby, look at that! I think that's. Yeah. I, I was. I can hear you. I can hear you. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. It takes me. Takes a minute. Takes a minute. You're all good. Take your time. He's clicking. St- there you go. Now all of a sudden I can hear you. Are you there? Yep. 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 Okay. Good. I don't have any video oh. yet, but you're going to share it with me in any second here. Well, that's, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> there we go. How about that? How good, about that? Good morning. How are you this morning? <laughs> I'm awake. You all coffeeed up and ready to go? I am. I am. How good. was the drive in this morning? You know, not too bad this morning. Not too bad. I'm not complaining. Not complaining. Um, all right. So we are ready to go, and uh, we're going to be jumping in with Brad Keithley. I don't know if you want to comment on the um, – um, on the PFD thing as or the uh, permanent fund thing as part of your discussion on the oil and gas effects from the Ukrainian thing, but uh, uh, feel free to weigh in on that as well if you want. Uh, since we're there, yeah. At, ask me when we get there. I, that's not the focus of what I'm going to talk about, but I'm perfectly happy to talk about that sure, as well. Sure. All right. Um, Let's see. Uh, so Brad is here. Brad is ready. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be rolling here with him here in just a second. We are about two minutes out. So Brad, hold the line for just a second. I won't uh, won't won't let you go there too far. Um, and we will um, go over uh, some of the comments here. We can talk numbers, but each tank jet helicopter is manned by someone with a son or daughter. When the war is over, it will land the families who bear the highest cost. It's true. I I don't disagree. Um, I mean, I think if you want to talk about the um, the ideal of the unjust war, this is probably it. And you're right. Those that have to pay the price are not those who are making the decisions, but those down there in the trenches. And it's uh, it's terrible for folks on uh, both sides at that point. Um, OK, uh, let's see. You can start on YouTube and head down the rabbit hole from there. Uh, welcome to the party, pal. Uh, okay. The story's being uttered that Putin is suffering from a brain tumor. I don't know. I saw something on Drudge this morning where they were asking about whether or not he was ill. I don't know if he's just ill or just crazy. I mean, one of the two, uh, power hungry or thinks he can get away with it. I mean, but the fact that Gazprom provides so much of the gas for Western Europe and, uh, and everything else, it wouldn't be surprising if he thought he could get away with it by holding them hostage on their energy usage. Um, it would not, it would not make me surprised that. And the fact that I think he underestimated, he thought, I think that if he poked a sharp stick into NATO, it might fracture and instead it pulled together. Um, which I think is a little surprising, uh, even to some in the West, some of the talking heads on the Western side, uh, were like, yeah, the, it, it actually pulled them together. So kind of an interesting take on that. But luckily I'm not a international geopolitical guy. I just like to watch and listen and hear what's going on. Uh, it's been interesting to see for sure. But as I said earlier, my thoughts and prayers go out to the people of the Ukraine 
and uh, and I hope they uh, make it through. All right, Brad Keithley is on the line with us. We're about to jump into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Please like and share this show. Like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. Let's. Uh, Brad is getting virtual donuts and coffee right now. Yes, he is. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to the program. The weekly top three is when we dive down into it with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He comes on board to share with us. Somebody in the chat room was a little afraid that because you're a regular Brad, somehow you were not allowed to partake of the virtual coffee and virtual donuts in the virtual green room. And I think you just need to disabuse everybody of that uh, preconceived notion. You get it all. You, you, I go full, full, full kilt for you. Oh, I've had uh, I've had my virtual coffee, my virtual donuts, my virtual smoothie. I mean, I'm I'm set. <laughs> You're all set to go. All right. Well, Brad, let's dive into it and talk this morning about, uh, of course, uh, uh, all the things that the weekly top three or the top three things that you think people should be paying attention to. Uh, and a lot of times, you slip things in there that we may not have noticed from before. Uh, the spring forecast, the impact and timing of the spring forecast is where we're going to start which is good because I'd lost track of it because of uh, everything that was going on. So uh, let's talk, let's start there and uh, feel free to share whatever you need to. Spring forecast. uh, And and the spring forecast is an update of the uh, uh, fall revenue forecast. The spring forecast is an adjustment for uh, uh, an update on prices and an update on volumes. And uh, sometimes a spring forecast isn't a big deal. Uh, but this year, I think it's going to be a big deal. And frankly, um, I think the fact that it's sort of looming over the legislature explains in part why the Senate finance in particular is trying to move ahead of uh, the, uh, the PFD debate. Uh, they've been using numbers from the fall revenue forecast uh, that frankly are lower, uh, significantly lower than the numbers that we're going to see in the spring forecast. And, and to some degree, I think they're trying to get that debate done and get the perceptions in the mind of people fixed uh, while they've still got, uh, from their perspective, the lower uh, fall forecast numbers in front of them. So I'm going to try uh, a little bit of, of magic this morning by doing a screen sharing. If it doesn't work, tell me. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to try to explain what we're going to see here um, in... Let's see. Share. There we go. Hopefully that does it. Do you see it? Do you see a chart in we, front of you, Michael? We got the chart right in front of us. All right. So this chart is is my effort at showing um, uh, what the spring revenue forecast is going to tell us. The solid lines uh, represent uh, the break-even price. That is the price uh, that uh, oil would need to be to balance the budget. Uh, under various scenarios. Uh, the top uh, light blue line is what the oil price would need to be not to have, to balance the budget without having any draw uh, from uh, the permanent fund. The red line is the oil price necessary to uh, balance the budget at a statutory PFD. The maroon solid line uh, towards the bottom uh, starts at the $70 price level is the uh, the oil price, what the oil price would need to be to balance the budget at POMV 5050, which is what uh, what the governor's proposed. 
Overlaid on that, I put two dotted or dashed lines. The top dashed line, the dark dashed line, is what the oil price is currently and project and projected by the futures market to be um, over the 10-year period. And the green line, the green dashed line on the bottom is the oil price projected uh, uh, in the fall revenue forecast. You can see uh, that there's a huge gap, significant gap, between the green line, and particularly in 2023, 2024, uh, and 2025, there's a huge gap between the green line, uh, the break-even, uh, what, what the what the the fall revenue forecast says, uh, projects the price to be, and the and the black dashed line, which is what the current futures market uh, tells us uh, the projected price is to be. And right. the way that Department of Revenue has been doing the forecasts. Uh, is they've been relying on the futures market as I as I think they should and as I've suggested in the past that they should, um, and so when you see the, the 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 spring revenue forecast, you're going to see projected prices that are that are along the lines of the black dash line as opposed to uh, as opposed to the green line. The the Senate Finance has been using the dashed green line. In all of their analyses to this point, and and, and, and Brad, and you, Brad, just just yep. sort it out for us here for those on the radio that can't see the chart. Give us some of these numbers so that we know kind of where what we're talking about when we're talking about these two converging lines. The lowest of the line is the green one, and that's uh, that's running low. And it just just kind of describe it for folks on the radio who can't see the chart as well. Sure, sure. Thanks for reminding me. So the 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 low green line, the fall revenue forecast has a price of $71 in 2023, $69 in 2024, $68 in 2025, and extends out to $67 uh, in 2030. The black dash line, which is the, the current futures market, has uh, a, a price of $87, some $16 higher than the fall revenue forecast in 2023, $81, some $12 higher, than the uh, fall revenue forecast in 2024, and $77, some $9 higher than the fall revenue forecast in 2025. So you've got you've got some huge price movements uh, that are going on between the fall revenue forecast and what is likely to be in the spring forecast. Right. What the what the Senate has been doing, what Senate Finance has been doing, has been using the green dash line, the fall revenue forecast, in all of their analyses, and you can see. That the, that the green dash line, the fall revenue forecast, falls significantly below not only uh, the, statutory PF, uh, the statutory PFD, which is the red line that runs from $87 uh, uh, to 86 to 87 to 88, uh, on ultimately down to 83 by 2030. The green line falls not only substantially below the statutory PFD, it also falls below POMB 5050, what the break-even price would be with... Uh, with POMB 50, right. uh, POMB 50, the break-even price is 71 uh, in 2023, 74 compared to the green line of of 69, 74 and 25 compared to the green line of 68 um, and on out. So what Senate Finance has been able to show by using the green line, by using the fall revenue forecast, is that we're still in quote deficit uh, even uh, even at POMB 5050 based upon. The, the prices in the fall revenue forecast. When the spring revenue forecast comes in, uh, all, of sudden, all of a sudden that whole debate's gonna change because the spring revenue forecast shows prices substantially above, projected prices substantially above 
certainly POMV 5050 indeed uh, shows at least for 2023 that the budget would balance at the at a statutory PFD uh, for with the uh, with the projected price for uh, 2023. The projected price falls below the break-even price for the statutory PFD beginning in 2024 and running all the way out to 2030. Uh, so there's still deficits at the statutory PFD, but it shows surpluses. Um, uh, the, 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 the projected price, the spring revenue forecast price, uh, will show surpluses compared to POMB 5050 in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027. We'll show finally the, the uh, projected price hitting POMB 5050. That is, that is a break even at POMB 5050 in 2028 and slight deficits, slight deficits in 2029 and 2030. So the debate's going to change once the spring revenue forecast um, uh, uh, is published. I'm going right. to try to stop sharing and come back live here. Sure. Possible. And when is it expected, as you're working on that, when is it expected that, uh, the, uh, uh, that the spring revenue forecast should hit the streets here? So the spring forecast is usually due in um, uh, uh, by March. Well, is is statutorily due, I think, by March fifteenth. Sometimes the administration delays it. A couple of years ago, it was they didn't publish it until April. There's nothing that prevents them from publishing it early. And if it were me, if I were the one, you know, d doing political strategy, which for the administration, fortunately, I'm not. But if I're the one doing it, I would publish it early because it's going to change the nature of the debate um, uh, about uh, the PFD substantially uh, uh, from being, as I say, a deficit compared to uh, uh, the fall POMV 50-50, the governor's proposal being a deficit compared to the fall revenue forecast of being a surplus uh, compared to what should be uh, the spring revenue forecast. And from the administration's standpoint, the sooner that they can get that debate shifted to the spring revenue forecast, it's going to be the better for them. Right. Uh, because they're going to, uh, uh, they're going to have uh, the ability to show uh, that there's surpluses. So I think there's something more going on here in Senate finance. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think there's something more going on here with Senate finance in terms of trying to accelerate the PFD debate than simply, oh, we want to get it out of the way before we, you know, before we get to the budget. I think they're trying to take advantage of the of the fall of the of the substantial difference between the fall revenue forecast and what I think we're going to see uh, in the spring revenue forecast. Right, because it backs up their argument. That's why they're going full court press right now on all this because it backs up their argument. The minute that those other forecasts come out, somebody could say, well, whoa, 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 wait a second. You shouldn't be going after this much of a PFD take or a PFD draw because here's what they're projecting now, in in essence. And so that's why they're trying to go full court press on this now. Yeah, Bert has been has has sort of laid the groundwork to object to the spring revenue forecast. He has accused the administration of changing the numbers every month and of and of you know rolling out uh, sort of a, a constant rolling of of new numbers. I expect that when the spring revenue forecast comes out, that Senate finance at least is going to try to downplay it uh, and still go back to the fall, the fall forecast numbers. We're going to hear Natasha talking about, uh, you know, the con the, 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 the oil prices go up, oil prices go down and you can't ever count on oil prices. I mean, they're going to try to 
discount uh, the spring forecast. But it is the spring forecast. And the budget ultimately is supposed to be based uh, on the spring forecast. So um, I think I think it's a, it's going to change the nature of the debate. Um, and it looks like so it looks sorry. like I'm sorry you broke up there for a second. It was uh, you were frozen for a second there. It's going to change the nature of the debate. Yeah, I I, I think the spring revenue forecast is going to change the nature of the debate, and the sooner the administration gets it out there, I think the better off we're going to be. All right. Well, let's uh, quickly uh, here get a quick tease on number two for the day. And this is the effect of the Ukrainian war on uh, oil and gas. And what does it mean for us? And so give us a quick tease on this. So clearly the Ukrainian war has has an effect on oil, is having an effect on oil price. And clearly that's one of the effects on the price. But I think there are a couple of other significant effects uh, of the uh, of the Ukrainian war that that people aren't thinking through yet, uh, or or are just beginning to think through that I that uh, that we need to focus on, and I want to talk about that. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're going to be back with him here in just a moment. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll continue to talk about uh, Ukraine and what that means for us here as we go forward. Uh, especially in line of Alaskan oil and gas and LNG and everything else. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets continues with us right after this. Don't go anywhere. Back with more in just a moment. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. In the break right now, Brad Keithley is our guest uh, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, and we've all been watching this. And, and of course, I don't know if you want to comment on the whole Gazprom thing, but, you know, I, I in my mind as I watch this go out, and again, I am not a political analyst on European affairs, but even as a layman, I kind of looked at this and realized with the amount of gas that uh, is being provided to Western Europe by Russia and Gazprom, um, I realized that this probably made Putin feel a lot more comfortable doing what he did, realizing that he kind of holds them hostage to the short hairs with that oil or with the uh, natural gas that's going in there. I mean, am I, am I wrong there? You, you probably know those numbers a lot better than I do. That's a, that's a pretty pretty heavy bet to think that somehow Western Europe would be okay with Russia shutting off their gas supply. Well, it's certainly been an issue. It's actually been building as an issue. Uh, Russia has been reducing deliveries uh, into uh, Europe, uh, natural gas or pipeline gas deliveries into Europe uh, in the entire winter. There was a point uh, early in the winter when uh, Europe was draining its storage uh, at a time well before it should be because the Russian gas wasn't being delivered. Um, and and Europe started scrambling. We started diverting LNG price, started diverting LNG tankers from their normal runs to Asia, uh, to Europe, and Europe started uh, uh, refilling storage, uh, frankly, from uh, from LNG. Um, so it's not, it, it, it's something that Europe was sort of prepared for. I mean, Russia accounts for 40%. Russian pipe gas accounts for 40% of European supply. So right. it's, it's, not, it's nothing you can ever fully account for. 
but it's something that Europe was sort of a, it was getting ready for because of the way Russia was dealing with gas uh, uh, early in the season. I don't know if that was part of uh, Putin's startup of, of Ukraine. He was you know, beginning to put pressure on Europe, showing what he could do. But it, it's been amazing. In the last weekend, we've had an entire change uh, in European energy policy. I, you know, historians now are going to be looking back at this, at, at this last weekend as just an amazing time. It, Germany has changed about so many things. I mean, they had a policy of not sending uh, armaments to, uh, uh, to other nations. Uh, they changed that. They've changed their LNG policy. Uh, Germany had shut down effectively two uh, uh, LNG import terminals that have been proposed for Germany. So, no, we're going to be we're going to be fine. We don't need that LNG supply. We're going to have renewables. Now they've put them on the on the on the front burner and sort of supercharged those projects. They're talking about uh, Germany had been uh, uh, phasing out its uh, nuclear. Uh, uh, energy, uh, electricity generating capacity. They're talking about extending uh, their nukes. Um, so it's a, it, it, it's just been a huge change in Europe. Uh, and that's part of what I'm going to talk about in the next segment. Uh, there's going to be more about that that I'll talk about the next segment. But it's just been a huge, huge change in, uh, in, in European, uh, Euro the European approach to energy in one weekend. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think historians will look back on this last week and say this is probably one of the most impactful weeks in, uh, you know, in probably the last 75 years. As you see, the number of policies, whether it's energy or, uh, you know, militarism or anything else that have changed at the drop of a hat. And like I said earlier, I think Putin expected that when he applied pressure to the pressure points, he he expected to see things like NATO shatter. And instead, even to the surprise of some of the more, you know, some of the Western talking heads, they were like, no, no, no. It came together. It came together as a fist. It has strengthened NATO. It has changed policies in, in nations that haven't made a change since World War II. And now suddenly they're on the other side of that going, nope, I think we're going to do this. It really kind of, it, it has changed the whole playing field. It has. And, and I think historians are going to look back. I mean, historians have the perspective of time, so they may look at it much differently. But to me, what's really happened is the Ukrainian president standing firm. If he would have if he would have done what the Afghani president did and, you know, fled the country. Right. And and, and demoralized the country and had everything fall in the country around it. I'm not sure Europe would have changed. But the fact that the Europe that the, that the Ukrainian president stood firm and said, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> in fact, he said at, at, in one conversation uh, uh, with, uh, with the European heads of state that uh, that, that, that evening conversation might be him alive. Um, the fact he stood firm um, and, and the country stood firm behind him, uh, I think led Europe to sort of, you know, it's like cold splash of water in the face. It led Europe to... To, to, to decide to back him and as a consequence led to all of these other things that uh, that uh, Europe is uh, is going through now so yeah it, it's a it's a sea change in uh, in what we're seeing out of European uh, uh, energy policy I agree I think my favorite quote from his him was I don't need a ride I need more ammo you know he's not looking right. to leave he would send send more send more anti-tank missiles so all right, we're jumping back into it here with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. If you're enjoying the show, please like and share this video. Don't forget to like and follow the show page as well and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell on YouTube for notifications. 
Let's get back into it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We just talked about the timing and the impact of the spring revenue forecast, and now we're going to talk about, uh, you know, of course, the oil prices. But what else does the Ukrainian war mean to Alaska in terms of oil investment, LNG, minerals, and all that? Let's get the hot take here from Brad Keithley on number two of the weekly top three. Brad? There were some shocking developments over the weekend uh, out of Europe. Um, from an oil perspective, there was none more shocking than BP uh, saying that it was going to abandon its investment in Rosneft, uh, one of the uh, uh, lead uh, Soviet or Russian um, uh, oil companies. Um, BP held a 19%, 20% stake uh, in Rosneft, it was it, it, it consolidated what translated into in terms of oil reserves and natural gas reserves uh, onto BP's books. It was a big part of, uh, of BP's global uh, energy picture. And as a result of, of <laughs> two things, uh, one, the invasion, but secondly, uh, the, the withdrawal of Europe from essentially financial recognition of the Soviet Union, of, of Russia, uh, uh, BP uh, made the decision uh, extremely quickly, made the decision to uh, withdraw from Rosneft. They're going to try to sell their interest, uh, but they're essentially taking an impairment on their books saying that, you know, if we can't sell it, uh, this is what, uh, this is what it's going to mean, uh, mean to our books. Um, that was shortly followed by Equinor, uh, the Norwegian oil company, uh, formerly known as Statoil, uh, doing the same thing with respect to its investments um, in uh, uh, in Russia, and was was shortly followed after that by Shell, uh, doing the same thing. I mean, all eyes are now sort of turning to Total, which has uh, the French oil company, which has the next largest set of investments, and Exxon, which has investments in uh, in Russia as well. Whether they're going to withdraw also, but what what's really happening? Is is Russia is becoming so isolated that that people, the oil companies, um, uh, gas companies, don't want to be investing and looking to Russia uh, for. Uh, that creates huge. Uh, that creates a huge hole in the remainder of the world. It essentially takes out Russia as a major player in oil and gas uh, resources. And creates a huge hole uh, in the in the remainder of the world in terms of where our where replacement resources are going to come from, and as a result of creating that huge hole, creates a huge opportunity uh, for uh, for other uh, resource rich regions. I think to attract investment that they otherwise were not because that investment was going uh, ultimately uh, ultimately to Russia. Right. I think Alaska. I think Alaska has the potential to be one of the big beneficiaries of that, not only on the oil and gas side, and in, in, in terms of additional investment in our oil 
regions. Uh, increased profile for the for the Alaska LNG project. I don't know if it pushes it over the edge, but it certainly gives it an increased profile, um, as well as our mineral mineral resources. And 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 this sort of takes me back to the early 1970s. Alaska got going as an oil region as a result of the Saudi oil embargo of the early 1970s. Alaska and the UK, right. we knew there was we knew there was oil in both of those regions, but there hadn't been the rush of investment to the, to develop those regions uh, until the Saudi oil embargo. All of a sudden that created a huge hole uh, in oil and gas resources globally and and pushed people out to make investments in areas they hadn't otherwise uh, done. I think Russia, I think the withdrawal of BP Shell uh, uh, Equinor uh, and the potential withdrawal of others, or if not, it, the isolation of others for, for for failing to withdraw. I think that creates an, a, a hole that looks a lot like the 1973 oil embargo that resulted in uh, in Alaska uh, and the North Sea becoming uh, uh, major opportunities for uh, major regions for uh, for investment. And and so I we we need to be thinking about this much more broadly. Than, than the impact on oil price, the impact of uh, the the immediate impact on oil price of, of what's going on with uh, Russia and U- Ukraine, we need to look at this as a huge opportunity. I think uh, to push Alaska investment forward. I I, I think the, the value of Pika Pika just just escalated um, ex- exponentially uh, as a as a as an oil opportunity. Probably the interest in Conoco's Willow project. Conoco's had a quarter in. A, uh, uh, an offer of a quarter interest in its it's in its entire North Slope properties. I think interest in that probably just escalated. So I I think there's an opportunity here that we ought to view as 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 a, a big opportunity separate and apart from what's going on with with immediate oil prices. Right, and of course we remember also the nationalization of the uh, oil and gas fields down in Venezuela. Now not obviously as big a player as Russia, but that also had at the same time spiked some of the long-term interest in Alaska because, again, these oil companies are looking for places that are geopolitically stable. They don't want to invest in a company that's the potential for some totalitarian thug to come in and nationalize or take over or do what's going on in Russia, you know, agitate their neighbors and become isolated. So it's the same kind of thing where all of a sudden the places that are the most geopolitically stable become the most attractive investment opportunities for the future, especially when they're trying to think yeah. long term in, in terms of decades. Yeah. And, you know, and Russia was considered geopolitically stable. I mean, because you had you had a totalitarian totalitarian regime, but it was considered stable because of that. Right. And now all of a sudden it's, it's just gone. So, you know, BP, BP, I cannot, I cannot overstate the significance in the oil world of BP abandoning uh, the Rosneft investment. That's, that's just huge. And, you know, and for Equinor to follow and Shell to follow, th- 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 those are significant for those companies as well, but those are just huge uh, uh, developments. And, and I think, I think Alaska needs to think long-term in terms of what opportunities that, that opens up for us. Well, and hopefully it gives us again, the opportunity to, uh, you know, not make missteps and to gain some of that investment and maybe make back some of the ground that's been lost over the whole, uh, carbon offset, green new deal, all the other problems that we've been facing. So hopefully that uh, moves forward, um, in, in a good light. Um, all right, so that finishes up for number two, which leads us to number three, which um, I think, I mean, I know that you you kind of shared with me yesterday that um, that it's it's something that's that's uh, frustrating you. 
Um, it doesn't just frustrate me, it infuriates me. Uh, and that is this lying by omission from legislative finance uh, on the fact that they're not giving us the whole picture when they talk about the various options that are available uh, for trying to fix some of this fiscal gap that they're talking about. And, of course, that ties back into number one with the actual spring revenue forecast discussion. But the fact is is that they're being disingenuous with the numbers and not showing us a lot of the things that we need to. Give us, uh, give us number three, your frustration with ledge finance and what they're not telling us. So ledge finance did a presentation, a long presentation last week, uh, to Senate Finance uh, about uh, the various options. That, that part of that was to use the fall revenue forecast numbers, so they showed deficits even at POMV 50-50. But, but they had a 31-page presentation that was all about one thing, showing that using the PFD, showing that, showing that you could not balance the budget unless you cut the PFD. Now, what's really disingenuous about that is ledge finance itself recognize that there are alternatives to cutting uh, the PFD, that there are alternative revenue sources uh, to cutting the PFD. And in their um, uh, uh, their overview of the governor's budget, which is a document they do annually, uh, this year they said, Ledge Finance stated that, that quote, equity, economic uh, impacts, efficiency, and other considerations should be addressed if the legislature chooses to explore revenue options. Well, PFD cuts are one revenue options, run right. revenue option, but there are others, uh, other tax options uh, as well as, as spending cut options. And ledge finance did nothing, did no analysis of the impact of any of those other options. The entire 31-page presentation was focused in entirely on justifying PFD cuts. And it was, it was intended to drive to one conclusion and that is you had to make PFD cuts uh, to balance the budget. No analysis of, no analysis in 31 pages, no analysis of alternatives, even though they themselves in their, in their overview of the governor's budget admitted that there were, that there are alternatives and admitted that you needed to take into account equitable considerations, economic impact considerations uh, and, and, the, and the like. It's not like, it's not like there aren't tools to do that. The 2017 uh, uh, ITEP study, the 2016 ICER study, give you those tools. I use them every landmine uh, on Friday. Uh, you can use those tools every day. It's not like those tools aren't there to do the analysis of, of the alternative, uh, of, of the impacts of the alternatives and compare them to PFD cuts. But they're not doing it. Um, and, and by omitting, it's the error of omission, by omitting the alternatives and the consideration of the impact of the alternatives, they're they're driving they're driving the the the, the debate in the legislature, and they're driving the media who isn't doing a very good job of talking about those alternatives either. Right. They're driving the media to the to the irrevocable conclusion that you have to do PFD cuts and only PFD cuts in order to balance the budget. It's just it it is disingenuous. Uh, uh, of ledge finance. It's likely the result of the instructions that are being given from the chairman of the finance committees, but it's, it's disingenuous to the, it's doing the legislature a disservice by not giving them alternatives. It's doing the media 
a disservice by not giving them the alternatives. It's doing Alaskans a disservice by not giving them the alternatives. So we can have a debate about what the best alternative is. Right, exactly. And that's the kind of most irritating thing. They don't do the analysis. They don't do the impactual analysis on uh, the economy or the families. They don't talk about that either in this report uh, for the uh, taking of the PFD. Not only do they ignore other alternative revenues or reductions that could happen, they refuse to address what the overall impact of the Alaska economy and Alaska families are, which you did in your chart on the landmine, which is uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff out there for folks to go see. But it is definitely one of those things that just drives me absolutely batty to look at this and see that they're basically, again, lying through omission. This is the resurrection of David Teal, Kevin says in the chat room. I think that's a probably a, a an accurate uh, take on this. But, Brad, we're out of time. Thank you for coming on board this morning. I appreciate you being part of it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Uh, folks, we got more coming up. Hour two, Dead Ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Chris Story will be our guest. Be kind, love one another, live well. If you're not uh, sticking with us, we will see you. Uh, otherwise, hour two coming up. Brad Keithley continues with us here. I mean, I had to laugh at that. It was Kevin McCabe that said, that this is the resurrection of David Teal. I mean, this is kind of Teal-esque in its, uh, in its, uh, in its uh, I guess, simplicity, but also its elegance of basically omitting all this stuff and then looking at you with a straight face and said, we're just giving you the facts kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it really, it bothers me. I mean, part of what triggers this is Andrew Ketchman from, from Alaska Public Media did an article, and he keeps referring to uh, ledge finance as nonpartisan. In, in, in sort of giving them the imprimatur of, of you know, the, the know, knowing all, seeing all uh, body that can, you know, is really not trying to come at it with a taint, uh, just trying to give you the facts. Well, they're not giving us the facts. They're not giving us all of the facts. They're not giving us all of the relevant facts. And, and, and to sort of, you know, paint them in that in that light of, you know, the, the, the supreme nonpartisan, right. Non-biased, non-biased. They sit back, they just observe and report. Right. Now, now before I dump on Alexi Painter, who's the, who's the head of ledge finance too much, this is probably driven by, by Bert and Natasha, um, and by, uh, and on the house side by Kelly Merrick, um, and uh, uh, and Representative Foster. I mean, it's probably driven by the chairs of the Finance Committee to whom Alexei reports, and they're telling him what he's going to tell them. But then you, you can't say that you can't say that ledge finance is nonpartisan. They're hugely partisan because they're being told what to say. They're being told, you know, it, it's it, it's sort of the it's the ultimate circle, right? I want you to tell Bert says, I want you to tell me this. Alexi says this. Bert says, see, he told me this. I mean, <laughs> we're not, we're not getting unbiased information. We're not getting right. quote, nonpartisan information. We're getting, you know, what Bert wants us to hear, what Bert and click and Natasha want us to want us, want us to hear. Alaskans aren't hearing the alternatives. Right. The outcome, what you're looking for is outcome-based research, right? This is the outcome that I want. Please research it and give it to me. Sure, here it is. I mean, you you sign my paychecks. Okay, whatever you say, that's the outcome you want. I'll, I'll give you backing information and ignore everything else and not report anything to the contrary. And and, and to give Alexi credit, maybe this sentence in the overview was Alexi's plea for, hey, I can do this other stuff. 
you know, I can do the the equity, economic impacts, efficiency, and other considerations. I can do it. Um, uh, sort of his plea of, uh, you know, somebody ask me to do it. Uh, but right. then Bert, Natasha, and Click, and 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 Neil and Kelly say, no, 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 we don't want any of that. We just want you to give us, you know, the, what whatever it takes to to justify PFD cuts is the option. That's the irony is that he mentions it in the in the original summary of everything and the overview and says, here's what we could do. And then it completely ignores it for the rest of the time. And it's just like, oh, here's the outcome you were looking for. You're right. Maybe it was his way of saying, please, somebody, somebody ask me for the economic impact uh, analysis and the distributional analysis and all the other things. I'll give it to you. And uh, and yet nobody in power wants to do that. This is again, this is the problem with the powers that be that are in there. Uh, that want to keep business as usual. And, and the effect of it is they control the media too, because the media is only reporting what ledge, you know, they're giving ledge finance this exalted status and then reporting what ledge finance says. Bert's controlled what ledge finance says. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, Bert gets triple the, the bang out of his position because he's able to control ledge finance and then ledge finance gets the exalted uh, the exalted status of uh, of the nonpartisan, unbiased right. server. Well, it's it's uh, the media is buying it. The media is part of the problem on this too. Right. Well, I mean, where's the investigative journalism? Where's the both sides of it? Where's the alternative viewpoint? Where's all these things that they should be looking into instead of just basically paraphrasing the press releases or re you know rewording the press releases? Where's the analysis of saying, okay, well, this is what they said. What does the other side say? Nobody's. I mean, it's 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 ludicrous. But that's where we're at. We have reached ludicrous speed at this point. Um, we we just we're we're running full steam ahead. And God, we've got to get there before the spring revenue forecast comes out because then questions <laughs> might be asked. My God, you know. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's all part of a plan, and the plan is to is to bulldoze ahead, not not share information, use the fall revenue forecast numbers, um, and and get to a pre predetermined outcome. I. You know, again, if I were the administration, I would get the spring revenue forecast numbers out there as soon as I could change the nature of the debate because it those numbers will change the nature of the debate. With a press release, it says the legislature no longer has an excuse to avoid the 50-50 POMV uh, PFD discussion because we're showing you right here how it's going to be paid for. Boom. That's it. And put them out with the spring yeah. revenue forecast and then, yeah. then leave them twisting. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and, and hope to hell that Alexi steps up and does the job of, of, of analyzing based on those and, and looks at the alternatives or that the press at least gives some credibility to what the administration is saying in terms of Department of Revenue and, uh, and OMB when they put out those numbers. Good luck. I mean, the business as usual crowd is in full steam ahead mode right now. and I don't know how we're going to get away from it uh, other than keep pointing it out and keep and keep shining the light on it. That's all we can do at this point. Brad, thank you so much for your analysis and for coming on board and being part of it. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing more uh, in the coming weeks. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. I enjoy it. All right. Thanks for coming on board. And thanks. Your technology worked out perfectly. You were a little laggy, but the uh, screen share was awesome. So thanks for coming on board. I appreciate that um, uh, for coming on. All right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, our guest for today. Uh, we're going to kill that feed uh, right there, and uh, we'll jump back over here. Uh, all right, hour two dead ahead. We're going to open up some phone lines. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, well, whatever it is that you want to talk about for the first segment. Then we're going to dive into it with Chris Story, the man from Homer, 
and get our weekly uplift and maybe some discussions on something else. Maybe he wants to talk about Ukraine or something else. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where he's at when we get him on the phone. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. We'll be back in just a second. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah, across the world, across the internet, across your local radio station and or translator. It is the Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting everywhere at all times in all things. Also simulcasting on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch TV. Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in Tuesday. Not a single taco to be found here. I'm looking around my studio. Not a single taco to be found. It is Tuesday. There should be tacos. That's all I'm saying. Just It's almost almost a mandate at this point. Welcome to the program, and thank you for coming in and joining us. We just finished up with uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. If you missed it, it was a great discussion today, specifically talking about some of the moves that are being pulled by the leadership in finance in both the House and the Senate uh, and how they're trying to kind of manipulate the public in uh, in the options that they're giving them. Basically, all in an essence to fully take the PFD from people and uh, to grow the size and scope of government. That and the rush to avoid the spring revenue forecast as well. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which is available every morning. Uh, at uh, uh, on my website, me at uh, michaeldukeshow.com. You can also find the podcast wherever you get podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. That's my go-to for podcasts. Any one of those will uh, bring the show up, and you can just sign up and subscribe. And then every time I drop a new uh, episode down, it will automatically be loaded there, and you can follow us along uh, throughout the uh, thing. And Dwayne is mocking me because he has tacos this morning. I hate that. I just, I hate that. Uh, all right, so hour two of the program today, hour two of Tuesday, means that we're going to be talking with our friend Chris Story, uh, the man uh, from Homer. He's going to come in and talk with us and give us a weekly life coaching lesson, uh, weekly uplift. That's coming up here in just a few minutes. We may, I don't know, I haven't talked to him about this yet, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we may... Also take the time to uh, uh, go over some of the more worldly matters with him uh, because although he is a great life coach, he is uh, also, uh, uh, you know, he's got, he's, got a, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a good head on his shoulders. And uh, we may talk about something today that's a little more uh, worldly, whether that is, um, uh, whether that is uh, 
Ukraine or something else. Uh, that is the that's the that's the way to be. So we're going to talk. Uh, so we're going to talk with him this morning here in just a few moments, and we may do both the life coaching and the and the real world stuff as well. I don't know. One of the one of the two. Uh, phone lines, though, we're going to open those up right now. Phone lines are open. The Pivotel call in line, powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West. If you would like to uh, give us a call. That number is uh, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Any topic is fair game this morning. If you want to dive into it for a few minutes, I wanted to open up the lines for you and let 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 so that you know any of you want to talk about something, we can uh, get that off our chest as well. I also want to say thank you uh, to our friends and our new sponsors over at Bivy, the Bivy Stick. The, I'm reaching into my pocket. Where is it? It's right here. It's, it's here. Nope, it's here. Nope, there it is. The big, It's so small, I almost lost it. The bivy stick. This little teeny tiny device, which is half the size of my cell phone. I mean, here's my cell phone and here's the bivy stick. Um, you, you basically uh, pair this up with your phone via Bluetooth, right? You download the app from the app store or the Play Store or wherever, and you connect the Bivy device to your phone, and it becomes a satellite communications device where you can send text messages and you can send emails. You can download the weather. You can get maps. You can drop your location and send it to your loved ones. You've got an emergency button, this little red emergency button on the very bottom of it, which if you, fl- you know, flip it, you lift the, lift the flap and mash the button, and it says, I've fallen and I can't get up, and here's where I am. Uh, or you've got the little check-in button that just says, Click, you you push it, and it says, I'm okay, here's where I'm at. Um, all of this and more, like I said, for texts or emails or anything else, uh, all of it for the low, low, incredibly low price of only $199. There's $199 for this right here. Attach it to your cell phone. You've got a satellite communication device. And they've got plans that are as low as the like the safety plan, 14 bucks a month. I mean, that's, you know, limited number of texts and messages you can send. And then they've got the unlimited plan, which is $45 a month for a year. And that one is, again, and no activation fees. Plus, if you're on one of the lower plans, it's got rollover. So if you don't use all your credits, you can use them the next month, and they just keep rolling over and rolling over. Uh, You know, if you've got a problem with cellular congestion, which happens sometimes, or you've got a weak signal, uh, or God forbid a disaster happens. Did you see that uh, we made the news again? Alaska was, for the second year in a row, we had the largest earthquake on the planet in 2021. In 2020 and 2021, we had the largest earthquakes on the planet. And back in 2018, we had one of the largest earthquakes on the planet. And of course, that was the one that really rocked and rolled us and rattled our teeth. But during that point, I had a hard time getting getting a uh, uh, you know cell coverage i couldn't get my and whether it was the towers were damaged or down or it was just overloaded if my wife and i had not been in the same building when the thing happened i would really want to know where she was and i would have wanted to know that she was safe having that bivy stick makes it easy because all you got to do is have a line of sight to the sky uh, because it uses the same iridium satellite uh, systems that like the pivotel phone does uh, and it's a fraction of the cost uh, now, it's no voice, but you can send text messages. You can send emails. You know, you can tell her, I'm okay. I'm buying one of these for my wife to put in her car, in her glove box. So if something happens, she can just open it up, turn it on, bring her phone out and say, I'm okay. Or, hey, I'm stuck. The road is broken or something, you know. 
So it doesn't matter if you're a hunter, a fisher, a snow machiner, a doctor, truck driver, Avon lady, soccer mom, whatever it is, whatever gender you identify as, you could use a bivy stick. And just for the peace of mind of knowing that you'll be safe. Five days of continuous battery coverage. First responders and military veterans have got a special offer that they can find out, too, when they go to these stores. And, of course, you can get all the weather forecasts you want, regular aviation or marine forecasts as well. So whether it's an earthquake or typhoon, tornado, zombie apocalypse, you could still talk to people if you've got a bivy stick. That's what you need right here. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com, or you can go to your local dealer in Dutch Harbor. It's Lundy Marine Electronics in Wasilla and Seldotna and Anchorage. You can go to your local Safe and Sound. In Seward, you can go to Communications North, and Radar Alaska is in Kodiak, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, and Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks. There you go. There you go. Go see any of them. And a very special thanks to the folks at Bivy for sponsoring the program the bivy stick and it's a weird name but it it really fits the bivy stick and i want to talk about some of the new stuff they got coming out but they haven't told me that i can talk about it yet because it's cool i know about it and i can't tell you it's burning me up i want to tell you about it but i can't tell you about it yet so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the things all right. Uh, phone lines are open. Again, 907-433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line if you want to sound off and uh, and hit us with it. Uh, what's the latest and greatest that's going on out there? Um, still stuff happening uh, around the state and around, the, uh, uh, around our communities here. Uh, the governor's race looking like it's uh, still heating up. I saw that Charlie Pierce had been endorsed by the... Uh, uh, by the Kenai Peninsula Republicans, and uh, expect more expect more noise in those races as things continue to go on. We talked yesterday with Chris By, who is running for the uh, congressional seat, Don Young's congressional seat as a libertarian. So now we've got a Democrat, a Republican, a libertarian, and the incumbent, who's also a Republican, all situated for the same seat. And um, I guess we're going to see. I guess we're going to see what comes of that. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, especially with the fact that we have the jungle primary where you're only going to get one vote. You get to you get to vote for one person. Now, for me, I mean, my one person right now, based on everybody that I've talked to and all the platforms that I've seen, mine's going to be Chris By. I'm going to vote for him in the primary. Now, that means probably that it will be a Don Young and. Uh, uh, it'll be Don Young and Nick Baggage for sure, um, and maybe Chris By in the uh, general. And that means then we get the rank choice, so we get to vote for you know all four. We get to rank them in different ways. So I still get to have my cake and eat it too. I guess that's the silver lining of the. Uh, uh, I guess that's the silver lining of uh, of the uh, 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 of the rank choice thing at this point. Um, not that I'm happy about it, but it is what it is at this point. Um, so that's the noise that uh, has been kind of floating around. Nothing else coming out of the legislature at the moment, although Rob uh, uh, Rob Myers uh, was uh, mentioned earlier this morning that there is a hearing uh, this morning at 9 a.m. on a Senate bill, and Rob may have to drop the Senate bill number in the chat room again, uh, but basically it's going to try and uh, work around the loophole on the reverse sweep or on the constitutional sweep of the monies into the uh, CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve. And that's going to be coming up this morning at 9 a.m. So I guess that's that's the one thing we could know about 
here this morning, and we'll see if uh, Rob can drop me some details again on that. We'll get we'll get more info on it. Meanwhile, let's go to the phones and see what you have to say. Four three three thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Mike. It's Lee out of Denali. Hey, Lee. How are you? Real good, brother. I see that uh, you've got a lot of inputs in uh, on the PFD for the chat room, and it's uh, one of those beautiful things where people seem to be missing the point here that everybody still has ideas about what the PMV should be and what type of share we should get, and they're taking the same premise that our vaunted politicians are that distract, delay, deny, redirect, obfuscate, and then, of course, we need more input as the final uh, viewpoint from the so-called Senate Finance Committee, which is laughable because, again, it just creates the circle one more time of delay, deny, redirect. And people have got to start getting smarter, or you're right, the PFD in its entirety will be taken over by the government, and people will be sitting around wondering what happened. How did this take place? Right. And the simple answer is by people sitting in a chat room thinking that somebody's listening to them in Juno. <laughs> go back to uh, go back to uh, our, our friendly neighborhood Senate request, our, our uh, Senate committee for finances requested right. additional input, which I provided. Right. And you could see on their little camera feed that they are completely ignoring everything that you say. Right. And that most importantly, the words of thank you for your input are tainted with I can't believe I'm having to sit here and listen to the little people yet again. Right. I, I deign I deign to listen to you, peasants, but it doesn't mean that I have to listen to you, peasants. Right? I mean Exactly exactly. I mean you could just tell that was the case and it's despicable, disgusting, every adjective you care to bring up. Because instead of hundreds plowing the line trying to get through, and keep in mind they, they basically shut it down when nobody else was on the line. So that right. tells you everything that you need to know. Right. And of course there's a lot of people out here that have long memories that will vote. But in the meantime, these people are emboldened, as in the people on the Senate finance committee are emboldened by going, hey, only 20 people decided that they would fess up. And, of course, the 20 people range from uh, putting their heart and soul into it, calling the people what they are on that Senate committee, which is thieves. But, again, they don't want to hear that because it's the truth. And they have created a world unto themselves where they create what the truth is for us to digest. And then, of course, we've got people that are trying to fight on our behalf down there but well, let me ask you this. When was the last time you seen someone stand up on the Senate floor or on the House floor and, and basically give an impassioned uh, dictation, if you will, of what the people are not getting? Oh, In other yeah. words, I want to see my politicians getting down and dirty. Well, I've seen Rob Meyer do that. I've seen Rob Meyer do that. I've seen, uh, I've seen Roger Holland do that. I've seen Mike Schauer do that. There are a few, but you're right. Most of it is we just listened to three and a half hours of public testimonies, 94% in favor of the PFD, but I'm just going to look you in the eye and say, you poor, poor, pitiful people just don't understand. And, uh, you know, that's that's the whole attitude. Yes, and you're sir. right. Yeah, you're 100% right. You so. do a good job, brother. You do a good job, and I ask you to keep it up. As always, it's appreciated, and thank you. Thank you, Lee. Appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in and being part of it uh, with us today. All right, well, that takes us up against the break, and that means it's time. Uh Uh-huh. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to be jumping into this. Chris Story is up next. The man from Homer. Going to give us some weekly life coaching. I don't know if he wants to touch on more worldly issues or not today, but we'll find out. We'll find out. See what it has to say. Chris Story's up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're in the break right now. Rob, uh, excuse me, uh, Chris Story is going to be coming up here in just a moment. Uh, I had a line on hold that I was going to go to, but they decided not to hold on. So we're in the break right now. And we're going to uh, see what you guys have to say. Public testimony is a waste of time. It's window dressing to think legislators care. They don't, says Michael. Well, I mean, I and to that I would say, well, don't grow weary in well-doing because later on we can hold. I mean, it's only because of that that I can hold up people like Andy Josephson uh, and Paul Seaton for ridicule after they listen to hours of testimony and then tell the people, you poor pitiful children, you just don't understand that the adults are in the room talking and we understand so much better than you because we have been ordained by God to raise you and take care of you. And once we were elected, we it came down from the sky and anointed us with intellect that is beyond you you poor pitiful children i mean it's only because of people that actually got up and testified that we were able to do that right i mean yeah um senate bill 224 is the bill that's going to be heard this morning at 9 a.m uh james says that he's going to be testifying against it the short title is funds subject to cbr sweep provision and um, I don't know if uh, somebody wants to, uh, if Rob wants to give me a synopsis in the chat room or if he wants to call after we're done with Chris uh, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, maybe Chris will stay with us for both segments. I'm not sure yet. But maybe it's something that we should discuss. We should discuss more fully. Because uh, I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with the bill. And so I need to, I need to know. Somebody who's in the know can call and give it to me here. Uh, where's Randy when we need him? Where is Randy when we need him? Where in the world is Randy? Um, uh, let's see. How many identifiers, the thing, and the deal? Lyman Hoffman has not filed for office yet. He filed a letter for intent. Is he fi- planning on filing for a seat on the hillside of Anchorage? Good good question. Good question. Um, today is Taco Tuesday. Yes, it is. Anything Von Imhoff is promoting should be ignored at this point since she's gone in 2023. Well, I mean, she's still got power now. That's the problem. I mean, she may have decided to uh, pull the plug on any aspirations for 2022, end of, you know, 22 and beyond. But uh, that doesn't mean she's, this is the lame duck time, right? And people have got short memories. So she could do some crazy wild stuff and not have to answer for several years until she decides to run for re-election again. So that is actually the time where you have to be very concerned. The lame duck part is where you have to be very concerned because they can do pretty much whatever they want with very little consequence because people have got a short memory. They won't remember in five years that she did, so, you know, I mean, some of it can come back, but you know what I mean. People people forget that stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, SB 156, Vax Discrimination Bill. 
is up today at one thirty in public testimony, and it does matter, says Kelly. I agree. I think it does matter. Um, it does matter. Uh, what doesn't matter is oh no, wait, that's Chris' story. Hello, hey. how are, how are you? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Dang, it's just so I get no respect, as he says. I get no I can see you tugging your collar right now. I get no respect around here. I, no, no, no. That's not it at all. I feel more like Charlie Brown and once again, Lucy, you have pulled the football. <laughs> oh, I just man. run right into a brick wall every Tuesday morning. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, every Tuesday. It's the money. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And then I'm not. I don't understand why I come away bleeding. He's such a nice guy to talk to. Why am I bleeding from every pore at this point? Exactly. Um, so this morning, my friend, what's your topic? And are we talking just, are we just going to take the uplift? Or do you want to talk about anything else today? I'm giving you the option. If you want to talk about worldly stuff, Ukraine, or anything else that's happening, you can. Uh, and then we could take the uplift, whatever you want to do. Yeah, kind of, uh, my topic for the day is on the road again. On the road again. Okay, so we're just going to do one segment then. Yeah, so, yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. That sounds good to you. Okay, yeah, we hadn't pre-planned anything else, so I didn't want to. I didn't the sausage as we speak. I know I didn't. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to. Uh, you know, kind of uh, spring it on you, ambush you with it. So you know. All right. So on the you are ro- the Ebola of uh, speaking of bleeding from orifices. You are the Ebola of morning radio. I am. I am absolutely the Ebola of morning radio, for which there is no cure. You will take it and like it and then melt from the inside. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're back. Uh, continuing now, Chris Story, the man from Homer, who calls me the Ebola of morning radio, which I mean, which I, which I'm assuming means is easy to catch, and just makes you melt inside. Not necessarily in a good way, but uh, you know, <laughs> easy to catch, easy to spread, and just makes you melt inside. Chris Story, my friend, uh, with us today. He's on the road again. That's his topic for the day. Hello, my friend. How are you? Has the symptoms kicked in yet, or are you still working? Oh, yeah. Trust me. They yeah. kicked in. I was either going to go with you're the Ebola virus of morning radio or Nutella because, eh, you know, uh, Nutella is delicious and amazing and easy to spread as well. Yeah, it is. It is easy to spread, and it's a guilty pleasure. So, I mean, I could go with either one. I mean, I really, I, I think either one is, a, is appropriate at this point. Um, for some people, I'm Ebola. For some people, I'm Nutella. I mean, I don't know why that's such a confusing thing. Um, Chocolatey hazelnut goodness. <laughs> I woke up this morning, as I try to every morning, and but this morning, a song was on my mind, and it was Willie Nelson's On the Road Again. Okay. And I thought, yep, here we go. Look at this. March of 2020, I was looking back. Uh, at some journal notes from March of 2020, and there was a worldwide fear. We locked the whole world down March of 2020. And now, fast forward two years, the whole world is focused and fixated on what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. Is it going to go nuclear? Is, are the United States, you know, are we going to be uh, enforcing a no-fly zone? Is this going to be a World War Three if we haven't already had that, or World, world War Four? And yet right. again, Another opportunity to focus on a crisis outside of your control and put off 
your dreams. Put off right. what it is you wish to accomplish. Put off whatever it is that you are here to do. You have yet another opportunity on this road of life to put it off and focus elsewhere, focus outside of yourself. Or you have an opportunity to live in this moment, pay attention, plan, prepare, and be aware, but also focus on you and what it is you're here to do. And sort of as my friend John always reminds me, run your own race because there's limited control over what's happening worldwide. As right. we evidenced ourselves and saw for the last two years, there's almost no control over your own local health care, let alone the globe. So <laughs> right. well, where we, are you going to focus now? Yeah, we were talking about this on Thursday when, you know, the day after the war broke out and, uh, you know, when I was saying, look, it's fear. Right. We just we just got through. We're absolutely exhausted from being fed nothing but fear for the last two years over a virus, which we uh, essentially couldn't control. And now they want us to be fearful of the outbreak of this war potential for thing. And again, nothing that we can control, but they want us to be consumed by it. And uh, and I say they, you know, the ultimate powers that be the evil mustache twirlers in the background, whoever they are. And, of course, the news media, they just love that because that gets some clicks and everything else, right? They want us to live in fear, and we need to learn to be above that. Yeah, and do what we can, right? I mean, there's only so much we can do. We can, we can kind of, I was reaching out yesterday morning to Senator Sullivan's office. Um, we can do that. We can be in touch. We can be aware, plan, prepare, um, use this as an example. If you are a 2A person, you're involved in the NRA in any capacity. Now is an incredible opportunity to start pointing out how benefited a country, a community, a state, a region, a province, a borough can be by an armed resistance. And wow, there's some talking points. Uh, we're celebrating the fact that we're putting arms into every Ukrainian's hand. How about celebrating the fact that we have a Second Amendment and maybe a resurgence of that liberty? that we're celebrating within the Ukrainian people, that we have it in space. Let's not give it up for any amount of Social Security. There is no amount of Social Security or safety net that will prevent, um, you know, a, a war or an incursion or an overreach of power. I find it very interesting that the same group celebrating the crackdown in Ottawa with a similar method to which we're seeing happen in Moscow. Right. They're they're damning what's happening in Moscow, but celebrating what's happened in, in or happened in Ottawa with stampeding of, um, you know, stamping out protests with horses, with the hoof of a horse, the butt of a rifle. I think it's just important to take this time, do what you can, watch the news to an extent, and then turn it off and live your life. And, and be, you know, if the news can influence you in some way, maybe it is through a civil, civic organization you belong to. Maybe you're a Rotarian and or, a, as I said, an NRA member, or you've got another civil group and you can civic group, and you could bring some of your ideas to bear in that group. Maybe you're a parent and you're thinking about going to the uh, uh, board, school board meeting and speaking out and, and, okay, do some research. Find out what, what really is the science behind mask wearing and children and so on and so forth. And be educated and do what you can and then get back to life. Get back to living. You're here for a reason. There's something you're supposed to do. Do you realize for the last two years, people have been making money. People have been getting healthier, fit. They've been running races. They've been doing their own uh, betterment and self-improvement. All the while, some of us were derailed and maybe even taken off track to a point where we said, well, we'll do that later. 
we'll we'll get back to living later. And I see that time is now. Right. No, absolutely. There are only certain things. You know, it's it's the old serenity prayer, right? Of Lord, grant me the you know the the to know the things that I can change, that can't that I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference, kind of thing. I mean, we have we have lost sight of that, uh, and it's I think because in part because of the now instantaneous nature of communication in our society, where something happens half a world away, and forty seven seconds later, halfway around the globe, somebody knows about it. Uh, people feel like the immediacy of oh I need you know now when it took two weeks for the for the news to reach somebody halfway around the world or two months it became a lot less urgent right there was a lot of urgency I mean it was reported we took it in we said oh well so that's what happened not that we can do anything about it because that was two months ago uh, I think a lot of things have changed but we've got to be able to understand the difference between those things and I think a lot of people have kind of lost sight of that. Agreed, 100%. It's interesting. The same technology, the technological advancements that can unleash enormous creativity and power can also become your lease and keep you tied right where you are. Like my father-in-law used to be set out on a peg when he was a child. His mom would tie him to a peg in the yard, and he could run circles but go no further. That could be that can be freedom, but it also can be uh, isolation, and it can actually divide us even further. And actually, look, if you're waiting for the right time in the world for all of the plates to spin at the same speed and everything to be just perfect and hunky-dory to start your thing, whatever it is, to start living, to, to create or to go out on a limb and be and take some risks, that's now. This is the perfect time in the world. There's been never a better time in human history for you to do what it is you're supposed to do. I'll tell you right now, I'll put my, my money where my mouth is. Um, all, all the while I'm watching exactly what's happening, everything, haven't lost sight of Dr. Fauci, haven't lost sight of what Bill Gates is promising, the next pandemic to come, haven't lost sight of what's happening relative to early treatment options or at least the uh, abatement of any early treatment for some people that um, were left to just languish at home with a virus that could have been early treated. All these things, right. the mandates, all this, pay attention to it. But it is time to live. And so I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I have an art show coming up on uh, May the 1st of May. And the work that I'm doing is heavily influenced by what's been happening over the last two years. So these sculptures are totally influenced by it, but I'm still making them. I'm making the time to get out of my own head and make art. I'm working on a, two new investments. Tiffany and I are looking at two new investments. Um, in fact, we invested during the, the first year of the pandemic and the second. We're working on two new ones right now. And I'm in the middle of, uh, well, I'm not in the middle. I'm almost done with my uh, next book in the Man series, which will be published on July 1st. So all the while, we're also growing our real estate team here. And I'm not, these aren't, I'm not saying this, always oh, look at me. I'm saying I'm paying attention to the news, but I'm also forcing myself back to what it is that I'm here to do. And I'm not, um, I'm not allowing the news of the world to stop me in my tracks. We're moving forward, having gone through COVID twice now, um, having you know done an enormous amount of research. I'm still reading about it, but I'm not allowing it to paralyze me. That's all I'm saying. Chris Story is our guest, uh, the man from Homer. You could find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. Um, Chris, I mean, it's almost a reinforcement, right? When you read the news and things like that, the one thing that it needs to reinforce to you is, okay, that's great. That's what's happening in the world. But what I can control are my actions and what I do. And it seems like that, I mean, as you just laid out the plethora of things that you just did over the last two years, 
that seems to have been your reaction every time you watched the news or heard something. You're like, okay, great, but here's what I can control. And then you went out and did something. Um, but right. it affected your life, not necessarily yeah. the, the, the international or the national scope of things. Exactly. I sat down in early March of, um, well, actually late March of 2020 and wrote the manuscript in uh, about three or four weeks for the Backyard Millionaire and published it That's in November of that year. And again, not because I felt like this was um, going to become, you know, a New York Times bestseller, but because it was my story that I wanted to get out into the world. And so um, I know that a lot of people have done, uh, you know, it's probably your audience in particular, it's a very active group of people politically and speaking out greatly in, in Juno and, and really taking an opportunity to, to be of influence. And I'm applauding that and saying those of us that have kept moving forward over the last two years, um, I think it's what America is all about. There will never be a time in the world that there isn't a, a despot looking to uh, overthrow the peace that we want, that we all desperately want in the world. There will always be the next. I think what we're not watching, while we're focused on what's happening in Ukraine, and my heart's with those people, uh, and obviously some of our money is we're putting you know weapons and so forth into their hands. What's China doing? And what's going on between Putin and China behind the scenes that we're not even paying attention to? There's so much to look at. Well, I can't stop what's happening with Xi Jinping and, and the Chinese authoritarian, but I can speak out about the authoritarianism that is growing within our own country and do something about it. As I said at the outset, contacting Senator Sullivan, Murkowski, Representative Young, while he's still there, and just being involved and yet still flick the TV off so it's not 24-7 and get back to life and get back to living because you're here on purpose. There's something you're supposed to do. And that was my message today. That's it. Do what it is you're here to do, and yet still you can pay attention and be aware of what's happening. Now, you're still human, contrary to everything you just laid out there. You're still a human being. So I imagine that sometimes you do get caught up in something that you see on the TV or whatever, and there probably is some fear. Can you give the folks here, Chris Story, can you give them a practical example of how they can overcome maybe something that they find fearful uh, and find a way to, to channel that into something more creative or more uh, you know positive? Because uh, I, I imagine you still sometimes flick on the news or pull up your phone and, and that there probably still is a stab of fear in there somewhere uh, in that heart of steel. Absolutely. I'll give you a great example. Uh, I learned a long time ago that I'm obsessive compulsive, that I have this obsessive compulsive, you could call it a disorder. I decided to live with it, and I love it. And so what I did at the outset, like I said, is I threw myself into that book uh, and in our business, but also threw myself in the off hours into that book so I wouldn't, and I became obsessive about it, wrote it, published it, but at the same time began to really really throw myself in that obsessive way into researching alternative treatments. And so by the time that we did have an exposure, we were already stocked up with uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc and had a plan for where and how to go about getting the monoclonal antibody infusion and a plan in place. So for me, it was turning that fear into planning and obsessively researching what to do in the event and then had that plan ready to go. And I think it's the same thing with uh, what we're seeing in the world events right now. Well, what, what can I do when I'm worried that... Uh, see, I have this plan, Michael, that I think we need to make sure that between Putin and Biden, they agree not to drop nukes on outlying areas like Alaska 
and Siberia, but actually hit each other's capitals, right? These in Moscow. <laughs> so how do we get that message? I mean, let's, let's or maybe uh, Leningrad and San Francisco. I don't know, but something. Just leave Alaska alone. Um, I'm getting, of course. Right. That's no. A very serious thing. No, no, but I mean, I definitely see it. I mean, uh, you know, it's a prepare for the worst, hope for the best kind of thing. But if you're prepared, at least you have peace of mind. So if the worst case scenario happens, uh, I mean, that's how I've always dealt with things. If I see something that worries me or scares me, I think, okay, well, so if it happens, what would I do? And I create a plan. Uh, you know, even if it's just in my mind, maybe it's not written down. Maybe it's not a 14 step, you know, with, with a PowerPoint and, and, a, you know, folders and, and pullouts and everything else. But I understand, uh, you know, I understand, I understand what I would do. And that gives me peace of mind to say, okay, well, if that happens, here's what I'll do. Now I can go back to focusing on things that are productive at that point. Yeah, I agree. And, and understanding that what it is you're supposed to do is well within your reach. The information, the people, you have all the connections, you have all the opportunity, everything is well within your reach. You can you can learn, you can listen. I've been reading uh, the real the real Anthony Fauci by uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. and I've been promoting it to a lot of different people and, and they're saying, Yeah, I don't really have time to sit and read it, then I'll send them the link to the Audible. Here, okay, go listen to it. It's <laughs> available. Here's an here's an interview that he did with Theo Vaughn. Okay, go listen to that. Um, so just really just trying to be an evangelist of ideas. I right. think is, is where I, I'm at with this, promoting health, wealth, and prosperity. All the while, we're recognizing, yeah, there's a bit of the world that's on fire, but um, we, we still have something to do here. I agree. Chris Story, the man from Homer, my friend, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and ideas and being a light in the darkness out there that we we're looking for. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. See you on the road again. Our, on the road again. Don't give in to fear. That's it. That's all you can do. Take that fear, choke it by the throat, funnel it into something good. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. All right, folks, we're out of time. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. Open line, open forum next. You're home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. On in the break, on the break. Rob, um, thank you for the details of the um, thank you for the details of the bill. I am now pulling that up here. And Rob, feel free to give me a call if you want to uh, discuss this this morning. I think that this is uh, definitely not a uh, not a bad way, uh, a bad thing to talk about. Um, let's see, where is it? First time referrals or full text? That's what I was looking for. Full text of the bill. Full text of the bill. All right, let me see what it says here. Okay. Uh, Referred to, it's by the Senate Finance Committee. Oh, yeah, we can see that that's what they want. There is created a separate fund in the state treasury, the Alaska Marine Highway System Fund, which shall be deposited, the gross appropriate value, blah, 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 blah. And uh, any other money appropriated by the fund, which appropriations are not, shall not lapse, shall not lapse under um, that discussion. Okay. Um, repayment constitution for purposes of applying Article 10 or Article 9, Constitution of the State of Alaska, 
has not been repaid. Uh, she'll transfer the fund, general fund, unreserved, undesignated general fund carried forward. The Alaska Education Higher Endowment Fund, a separate fund in the state treasury for purpose of making grants and awards. Okay, well, I can see it's there. This came, this was from Senate Finance. They're the ones that want to make it happen. So um, it, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion, if nothing else. Uh, but definitely not, uh, definitely not something that I'd like to see instituted. So you should be voting against this this morning. All right. Um, what else is going on? Let me see what else is happening here in the chat room. Um, let's see, thread. I got a whole thread going on about. Oof. Uh, vax discrimination bill today, one thirty p.m. Public testimony. Yes, vax discrimination. Um, meaning like jail time for people who don't get vaccines. Is that what they're talking about? Um, uh, I believe the Democrats have pushed in confinement. I don't know what this vaccine discrimination bill is about. Senate Bill 156. Kelly, if you want to give us that, that's fine. Um, this is in the House Transportation as well. It's a dedicated fund, even though they call it designated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I love the fact that we can't have any dedicated funds in this state, but instead we'll just call them designated. That'll fix it. That'll get us around that pesky constitutional loophole of no dedicated funds. We'll just call them designated. Um, what was that? It just repeated Russians. And I don't know what you're talking about, Harold, but uh, that's not unusual. Um. Okay. Definition of dedicate uh, to set apart to a defined use money dedicated or vacation fund. <coughs> oh, I love that, Kevin. Thank you. I'm going to use that from now on. Um, the two difference between definition of dedicate to set apart. To a defined use, money dedicated to a vacation, uh, to, to define a use, money dedicated to their vacation fund, or designate to indicate and set apart for only a specific purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's just, it's right there. It's just right there. You can't, you can't make this stuff up, folks. These politicians will do anything that they can to retain that power, period. End of story. Just doesn't get any better than that right there. That is it in a nutshell. Um, you might hear that in the House Transportation today, says Kevin McCabe. Kevin McCabe, he's going to walk in the door, bust through the door, and scream, Welcome to the party, pal. I know. That's exactly what's going to happen. I like that. <laughs> Welcome to the... Kevin, I just want you to, I just want you to be that golden sounding board source for me for everything. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, okay. We are about one minute away from, uh, rejoining the radio and I have no lines on hold. I've got no lines on hold. So we'll talk about this bill SB 224. Um, and uh, Kevin just said, it's also going to be in house transportation today. And so we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get a full we're gonna get a full rundown on this, and we will talk about this here in the next segment. 
and then hopefully we can get a bunch of folks to participate and discuss it uh, during the day to day during the Senate. When's the House meeting, Kevin? When is the House meeting to discuss this today? The Senate's at nine. When's the House one? Uh, and Kevin, feel free to call in and talk about this too if you want. I'm, I'm you, you know, phone lines are open, so whatever you want to do. All right, twenty seconds out. Like it, share. Like it, share. Like it, follow. Hit subscribe, ring the bell, do it all. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Thanks for being with us today, folks. Here we go. Jumping in. Okay. Oh, man. I don't know. It's like the yodeling day today. I don't know why, but I just I just feel good about that. One final segment of the show. And I think now is the time we're going to open up the phone line, see what you guys have to say this morning. Tell us we're on target or we're way off base, whatever you want to do. The number to call 907 uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Uh, coming up this morning in Senate Finance, there's going to be a bill. It's SB 224. Our friend Rob Myers just dropped me the text of the bill. He sent me the link. I appreciate that, Rob. Thank you. Basically, it's going to be in Senate Finance uh, this morning at 9 a.m. for public testimony and it is a bill, it's pretty short, it's only three pages long, but basically it takes the Alaska Marine Highway Fund and the Alaska Higher Education Investment Fund and it sets them outside of the general fund boundaries, just like they did with the Power Cost Equalization Fund, and creates a designated fund. Now, there are no dedicated funds in the state of Alaska, but they are designating funds to which many of us would go, is there a difference? To which Representative Kevin McCabe kindly said, here's your dedication versus des- designated. The definition of dedicate means to set apart to a definite use. To designate is to indicate and set apart for a specific purpose. That pretty much sounds like the same thing to me. I mean, does it to you? Seems like exactly the same thing. So that's what they're going to do in the legislature this morning in Senate. And then apparently at 1 p.m., the House is also going to hear the House version of this bill. So they're they're going full court press to isolate all of these things from the reverse sweep, which is not what the framers intended. Not what the just not. Nope, not going to happen. Let's get your take on this and more. Uh, let's go to the phones over here. Four, three, three, thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, morning, Mike. This is Herman Morgan Haniak. Good morning, Herman. How are you? Okay, uh, I like your show. Um, uh, I was watching the news, and they're saying uh, they should uh, rehire a lot of these people that they fired for not taking the VAC because uh, those VAC mandates are being lifted and mask mandates. And uh, uh, anyhow, that's in the news. And. Um, they found out that this uh, injection, it's not working, and 
Uh, it could be caused a lot of heart problems, and um, but uh, a lot of our government they took a lot of this money, uh, put their money, and they got to 2023 to uh, spend it, and that's going to drive everything. And uh, what, you got, what they need to do, Kevin, they need to talk to some of these borderline people. Some of them must see what's going on on these majority votes, you know. Right. Even one or two of them work on them because uh, they're destroying Alaska. And Mike, i tell you, Alaska is being invaded. Look at the southern border and um seems like our government don't know what to do. And uh, we need to pray for our state because uh, we're seeing it. And I'm telling you, they need to look into that. Uh, forced back, especially on kids. Look, Mike, on two years ago at a meeting, right on the pamphlet, they said, don't give those thoughts, don't have sex for two months because of infertility. And they're, they're giving these kids these thoughts that caught make them infertile. Right. Uh, right. And, well, and they, they, control, they control talk radio, they call their news, and that's how they're doing it. Their media is doing it. I'm glad that you're we don't control you yet, Mike. Uh, you keep it up and fight for us because uh, things are going on in the state. It's globalism. Right, and appreciate it. they told that it's over to Alaska, and we're seeing what they're doing. I appreciate that, Herman. Thank you for thank you for that, and thank you for calling in. You jumped around quite a bit, but, I mean, I will say yeah, I agree. I think that if the mandates are gone, then most of these people should be rehired without prejudice. I think that that should be uh, – well and done. There were a lot of, uh, you know, potential problems with the with the vaccine, and I think people that uh, made the choice not to get it knew that. That's why a lot of us decided not to get it because of some of those potential ramifications. I'm with you on that as well. And uh, yeah, we need to stop living in fear. We need to take back, uh, you know, take back our own power in that regard. I agree. Thank God the mandates are mostly over now. So, and I think that you're going to see them be pushed back at every level at this point. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Mike. This is Mark from Fairbanks. I uh, appreciated your last caller uh, uh, very much. Uh, the, uh, the mandates that has disrupted, stripped us of our liberties, and endangered our health, there needs to be uh, 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 assembled juries, people's juries, uh, to examine this because. Uh, some of this was done with intent, and that's what the biological investigation is uh, 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 making clear. And that means Alaskans have been uh, victimized, uh, uh, promoting this in the public pool system uh, jeopardizes the health of your uh, family, your children, and all Alaskans, rural and urban, suburban. And uh, we need to protect our PFD 14,000 plus per man, woman, and child, and your guest earlier didn't make any distinction between the uh, uh, fall and uh, uh, spring uh, 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 forecast with regard to the original or these uh, superseding uh, statutes. He did, he uh, did. The original he did. statutes on, he, on, he, on... He did, uh, he did actually make the... Mark, it's worth I'm not going to talk over you. He did make the differentiation between the statutory and the POMV 5050 in both the fall and the spring forecast. 
uh, he was using, he, he's a soothsayer propagandist is what that fellow is. He's not giving us direction on this. And that's what your job is, Mike. I think Thank you. He, he did give us direction on it. I think you're only listening for what you wanted to hear, Mark. He gave us direction. He laid both out and said what we needed to do. I mean, it was pretty clear. But again, some people are only going to hear what they want to hear. So there you go. Thank you, Mark, for your call. I appreciate it. And that brings us up to the end of the show, which, you know, was going so well. All right. Um, tomorrow, I have no idea who I'm going to have on the program. It'll be somebody. I'm sure it'll be somebody. Meanwhile, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. Live in creativity. Be be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. And again, don't don't give in to fear. Remember what you can control and can control that. And just go out and do that. All right. Uh, that's coming up uh, tomorrow. We may have shower. He may be here Thursday. I'm not sure yet. One of the two. We'll see you then. Have a great day, folks. We will see you tomorrow. And it was all going so well until I asked for phone calls. You know, that's what happens. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. If you'd like to become a member of the Common Sense Corps and help support the show, we'd love to hear from you. In the meanwhile, we gotta go. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Yodeling, yodeling. It's a new hobby.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 